This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a rainy Monday afternoon, May 8th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The writer's strike continues in Hollywood, and the sides appear to be looking at the possibility of a long standoff. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, the week ahead will include the latest data on inflation, more rhetoric on the debt ceiling, and a close eye on the energy markets. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economic futurist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Andy, thank you for joining us today. The Consumer Price Index comes out later this week, and when we uh, spoke at 1020 this morning, you said that the uh, consensus is that it's probably going to come in a 5% year-over-year increase, and uh, that's considerably better than the 9 almost 10% we saw last summer, but there's still a long way to go to hit that 2% target. Yeah, and I think that's really the key here is um, the 2% target is not on CPI, though, right? At 2% is on the core PCE or personal consumption expenditures. That's running below 5%. That's at about 4.6%. And that's really what the Fed targets, not the CPI overall. And that thing is kind of sticky. It's not coming off as fast as the Fed wants. But the economy is holding in there pretty good, and that's why I believe the Fed will continue to raise interest rates this year. They'll probably do a pause shortly uh, at their next meeting, but I think uh, anybody who's believing that the Fed is going to cut interest rates by the end of the year, I think is going to be disappointed. And then, uh, at the very least, uh, just holding the uh, interest rates uh, in the 5% and change level uh, seems to be the, uh, where, where the, the consensus is arriving. Um, what do you make of the people, though, who believe that uh, there is going to be an interest cut later this year? Are they just uh, people who see the world through rose-colored glasses? Well, no, I think they're betting on a recession is what they're betting on, Rob. And, and I think that's a great thing to point out. Um, I would say this, that the Fed's going to be higher for longer than most people realize because their target of 2% is is pretty much unreachable for this year. And so they're going to have to keep rates at a 5% level for at least another year, I believe, um, to really get inflation to come off. And it's really in the services sector, as we've seen the shift from products to services, that's where the inflation is showing up on, you know, car rentals, hotels. Um, going to a restaurant, you know, those are those are pretty expensive things right now because so many people want to go back into them. And of course, the employment in there is really showing strains as well with wage gains of like 6.4 percent going. So that's where your inflation is. 
I want to touch on oil very briefly because that was a major driver of inflation last year. It is trading now at $73 a barrel today. Uh, that's a far cry from the $122 a barrel, which was the price uh, back in June. And despite many efforts by OPEC and analysts believing that maybe China reopening would drive up the price of oil, that hasn't happened yet. But it seems like the price of oil may have uh, touched bottom. Yeah, it seems like around that area. And I think we also feel the same way in the production of goods and services. So really what drives so much of that is a driving overall in the world, right, especially in the U.S., but also from an industrial standpoint, that that's where a lot of the oil goes into, too. And it seems like that stabilized a little bit on the good side. So I would say, oh, and one other thing, we're, we're filling up in the U.S. the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, I believe, below $70. So um, they're they're hoovering in a little bit of oil there, too. So there's a few things that are out there that show strength in the global economy, not as weak as it thought uh, earlier. And that's why I think we're kind of holding in around that $70 a barrel level. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economic futurist at andrewbush.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, there looks to be no end in sight for the walkout by riders in Hollywood. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Negotiations between the Writers Guild of America and entertainment producers appear to be deadlocked. Let's update the situation with Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle, Washington. Find him on Twitter at Tom Lason. Tom, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's put things in perspective at first. I mean, the strike has been going on uh, for about a week now, and that is merely a ripple in time compared to some uh, previous standoffs between the Hollywood producers and the WGA. Yeah, exactly. The last one went 100 days. But I have to tell you, Rob, I really do see this one being a long siege because I think this is an existential battle. Um, And the big question here really is, will writing be a gig that you do as a hobby or a career for the some 11,000 members of the WGA? I think this I don't want to be pessimistic, but I this very well might result in the breaking of the WGA and remove all kinds of work rules, residuals, and the, the pathways into writing is a career. And it feels to me like the studios are going to push one, uh, push this one as far as they need to. Now, there is economic pressure on both sides. I mean, we the, the, the issues over residuals and just uh, living inside the uh, streaming economy compared to the old-fashioned network television, uh, home video, uh, some online uh, uh, remuneration economy, uh, that's, that's over. We're trying to plot a new way forward. But there's economic pressure for the studios as well, and that's I would like you know they, they can only hold out for so long just because of all the money they lost in 2020 and can't get back. So it seems like there is pain points on both sides here. There are pain points on both sides, but the studios have a lot of content um, in the bank. Spring is typically the end for the, of the season for a lot of shows. And like I said, this really gets existential. Profitability in the streaming services has been very difficult to come by. There's going to be consolidation. Um, Royalties, both domestic and overseas, are at stake. And, um, you know, the WGA is uh, hoping to end these so-called mini-rooms where a lot of work is done on spec at a lower rate. If the show's greenlit, then a lot of the foundation for the characters and the plots has been laid. So you get into this thing as writing a commodity or is it a, a property that provides an ongoing stream of revenue into the future. And because that future, Rob, extends so far out into the future, 
I think that's why there is a real line in the sand that's going to be drawn here. It seems that also when this is over and uh, there will be an ending one of these days is that it might actually force some maturation of the streaming economic model. One thing you see the striking writers say on Twitter is that there's there's not a great deal of transparency in in viewership numbers. I mean, I, as a kid, I used to look at the uh, box office listings in the paper every Monday morning, and I was pretty well versed in Nielsen's top 10 because, I mean, it was interesting as a, as a, as a media fan, but for the business and for people who worked on these shows and wrote them, it was an independent arbiter of who was watching these shows. And then they say the problem is, is that nobody knows what, who's watching streaming shows, whether, you know, if, if, if they're old, because if the, if it really is as big of a hit as the studios say they are, they're entitled to money. And if they're actually kind of a dud, then it's time to go back to the drawing board. And maybe that could force some transparency once the strike is over. Oh, yeah. That opacity is certainly by, that, by design. And make no mistake, even in the days of three networks and, and Nielsen ratings, there was some opacity there. The advertising model and measurement, and we have talked about this in the past, there's a lot of emperors without clothes there. And I think that that dynamic is certainly feeding into this, um, the opacity involved in the system. And let's not forget, too, artificial intelligence is a big factor in this, too. The WGA can see the handwriting on the wall here, but the studios have said that banning or limiting it is a non-starter. So there are lots of things at stake here that that drive well forward into the future. This isn't just about this year's contract. This is about the next 20 years about how the revenues flow. Tom Lason, media analyst based in Seattle. Find him on Twitter at Tom Lason. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, you may be losing by a lot by not using your credit card perks. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Credit card points and perks can be a reason to have certain credit cards, but it provides no benefit if you don't redeem them. Let's talk about making sure you're getting full value with Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com. Based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. What is the most common type of rewards card in which people do not take advantage of the benefits it offers? I think it's probably across the board, really. There's um, cash back benefits, travel benefits. A lot of cards offer a mix of both. I would really say across the board, not enough people are taking advantage. We actually found 39 million rewards credit card holders, which equates to about one in four, didn't redeem any of their rewards over the past year. So to me, that's really a missed opportunity. These could be inflation busters. The fact that you could take these credit card points, as well as airline miles and hotel points, and get some real value, I say use them sooner rather than later. Is there a difference in in redemption rates between branded and unbranded credit cards? For example, let's say you have a credit card for a specific airline or a specific hotel chain or maybe a specific business. You're much more likely to cash those in because you know where it's going versus ones that uh, just have they just have generic points that can be redeemed in any number of places. I do tend to recommend those transferable points programs, the more generic programs like Chase Ultimate Rewards and Amex Membership Rewards and City Thank You Points, basically because there's built-in diversification. So just like your investments, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. I like the fact that all of those programs have multiple transfer partners. There's also opportunities to 
use these points directly to book travel through the individual card companies, or you could transfer to more than a dozen airlines and hotels. And I just think that gives you the most flexibility. That said, if you are truly loyal to a certain airline or hotel chain, maybe you do come out ahead using their program because then maybe you get extra perks like free check bags or elite status or free hotel upgrades or or something like that. But I think for most people who tend to play the field and they're pretty price sensitive, I think it makes sense to keep your options open. It also makes it easier to use those points because you're not beholden to one specific chain or airline. Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, some investment ideas from our Monday stock picker. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Four people are in custody following the murder of a Chicago police officer who was combing home from work early Saturday. Investigators look into the background of the gunman in a deadly shooting at a shopping mall in Texas over the weekend. Financial secrets could eventually prove to be toxic to a relationship. And at Stock Picker Monday, we'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. BBM business. The markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 88 points. The NASDAQ is up 8. The S&P 500 down just a fraction. 53 degrees right now at O'Hare with light rain going up to 63 today. Scattered showers and thunderstorms possible. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, arrests have reportedly been made in the weekend murder of off-duty Chicago police officer Ariana Preston. CBS 2's Mugo Odigwe reports four people are now in custody. Some of them are believed to be involved in several armed robberies in the hours leading up to Officer Preston's death. One of them was driving the car. The other is an 18-year-old who was arrested after a SWAT situation that went through the night. The 24-year-old officer was killed early Saturday outside of her home at 81st and Blackstone while returning home from work. The investigation continues into a deadly shooting at a mall in Texas this weekend. We are in shock and are all grieving together. Allen, Texas Mayor Ken Folk at a community prayer service. The question for investigators now, why did a gunman kill eight people at that Dallas area mall? A law enforcement official tells us they're looking into whether the gunman had an interest in white supremacist ideology and neo-Nazi views. The source tells us that Mauricio Garcia had a patch on his chest when he was killed by police that read RWDS, which the source says stands for right-wing death squad, a phrase popular among extremists and white supremacy groups, according to the source. Last night, the Allen, Texas police chief declined to answer questions, saying... We actually don't have a lot. 
I'm Rita Foley. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Uh, kind of muted trading activity today. And is that just simply a case of uh, traders treading water ahead of the CPI report? Yes, exactly. You know, we had a, a reasonable rally on Friday, which I think uh, soothed people's nerves, and you, you have a little bit of stability in the regional banks. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have CPI, PPI, you've got the Senior Loan Officers Survey at 2 o'clock today, which, which will measure how tight credit conditions have become. And then you have a measure of consumer sentiment later in the week. So I think what the markets are trying to figure out now is, in fact, is the Fed done? If the Fed is done and they're going to pause here for a while, we're probably okay in the markets because the earnings season came in better than expected. Uh, as we sit here now, the economy is not in recession and is withstanding uh, the, the restraint of higher rates and tighter credit conditions. And so if the Fed can be stable from here, uh, I think the feeling is the economy can withstand the interest rate increases. Profits uh, w w will not um, uh, go down a lot in the next quarter, and therefore there's no reason for the markets to be under a lot of stress. Any concern as far as investors are concerned about the looming debt ceiling deadline, or is the consensus lining up behind the fact that maybe they'll pass a short-term extension through the summer and then tackle this uh, in, in, in the budget in the fall? I would say through the end of last week, the market had assumed that was basically ignoring it and assuming that they're going to get a deal done. Then over the weekend, one of the large European rating agencies put the U.S. credit on on a watch for a, a negative watch for a potential downgrade, and I think that's starting to creep into the market in a negative kind of way. If that meeting tomorrow produces no results, no give at all, I think on the margin it's going to increase uncertainty into the market. And Janet Yellen is um, uh, uh, screaming a warning there, and, and she's going to be on television again today at 4 o'clock on CNBC, and I think she'll reiterate it. Disney reporting uh, quarterly earnings later this week, and we were talking earlier in the program about uh, the economic pressures that uh, all of these streaming services are now under leading to this, uh, this could be a protracted standoff with the uh, Writers Guild. What are analysts looking for out of Disney? Are they trying to look for some signs of progress and profitability with Disney Plus? Are they going to look at the theme park business? What's going to jump out at them first? I think, I think, first of all, you know, the whole package, but I think this, at this point, uh, uh, you can't control the, the streaming issue. You can't control the writer's strike. It's going to be attendance at the theme parks because every other metric, whether you talk to Uber or Royal Caribbean uh, or, or you know, any of the hotel companies, uh, the consumer is strong and still spending, and I think uh, investors are going to want to see that uh, Disney ratifies that. And then the uh, Berkshire Hathaway meeting was uh, over the weekend, and does that have the potential to be a market mover? Because all of the summaries just made it sound like more like a kumbaya summer camp. Yeah, I I spent a lot of Saturday listening to it. You, you pick up little tidbits of wisdom from those two fellows there. Obviously, uh, they have a lot of wisdom, but I don't think you can draw any major conclusions except for one, that he said he thought that Apple 
had a be- best operating business better than any of his businesses, and I think he gave a, a baptism for uh, uh, Apple to move higher over the next com- next uh, several years. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the importance of fidelity in marriage, including financial fidelity. With an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. For richer or poorer is part of the traditional wedding vow. However, there's no mention of financial honesty. And let's discuss the importance of being honest with Chris Everett, fiduciary, financial planner, and president of Everett Wealth Solutions based in Forest Park, author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. And uh, Chris, I would imagine honesty between partners is the way to arrive at that healthy retirement still married. You betcha, Rob. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or not so much. I mean, money tends to be an easy way to derail a marriage. So honesty is always the best policy. And and we've done these financial infidelity segments before because it's very important to kind of hammer this message home. But some of the instances of financial infidelity are always just baffling to me because you just want to see, who do you think you're fooling with some of this? Uh, big secret purchases, hidden debts, dishonesty about income. I mean, eventually you're going to be found out, especially because now it's just so much easier to keep electronic records of all of your spending. Yeah, well, usually somebody has a hole in their heart somewhere that causes them to do those things. And so if we can help them address that, which is what we do in the practice, it makes a huge difference because when you can mend that, you'll make much better money decisions. And I'm going to say, you know, I ask this of of a lot of financial advisors, you know, on a percentage basis, uh, how much of your job is actual wealth management and handling of money and making fiduciary decisions or recommendations? And how much of, of your job is being a psychologist? Yeah, it's both. It's absolutely both. And that's why, like, there's a great tool on my website. If you go to EverettWellSolutions.com and click on the resources page, down at the bottom, there's a free communica- communication profile. It'll help you figure out how you manage change, face risk, process information, and problem solve. And if you are about to tie the knot, or maybe you're already tied, take that discovery uh, communication profile, and it'll show you And when we work with clients, we blend that tool. And it's a great way to start a conversation with a financial planner because now we can see how you're the same, how you're different. Generally, you're different. Not always, though. And it makes huge difference on how you just think and how you process, how you manage change, how you face risk, how you problem solve. Huge difference. So, yeah, half the time is being a psychologist or a therapist. (laughs) And half the time being a fiduciary, but it's fun. And, I don't think I'll ever stop. And, and if when you have clients who are uh, about to get married or are recently married, on a percentage basis, would you guess, uh, how many merge bank accounts when they get married and how many maintain separate bank accounts afterward? Uh, it depends on how healthy their relationship is, frankly. So I think that if you've made a forever decision, you tend to blend everything. If maybe you're a little still trying to figure it out, Sometimes they leave them separated. So that's an issue, especially when you consider the divorce rate in our country. It's something that you really need to work out. And we work hard to make that happen. 
And, and, and then there are just some people you might think that the reason why they want to keep their uh, finances separate is that, uh, you know, someone's leading a secret Don Draper lifestyle somewhere. But it could also just be a case that they're just so used to being in control of their own money that they don't want to give that up. Yeah, some of that is true. Um, you know, everybody's so different, Rob. That's why we take the time to really get to know our clients in depth and try to figure out where there's some brokenness and see if we can get it repaired. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park. You can uh, look him up at 708-771-7777, author of the book, The Prescription for a Healthy Retirement. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come our Monday Stock Picker. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and helping us out today is Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati. Chris, thank you for joining us today. And before we get into your stock picks for the week, uh, some friends of mine, uh, White Sox fans, made their way down to Cincinnati for the uh, series with the Reds over the weekend. And I hope they behave themselves. I hope uh, Great American Ballpark was still standing after they were done. You know, it's ironic, Rob. I was down there over the weekend on Sunday, and the difference between the I think there were more people wearing black and white, wearing your black socks garb, than there were red. Well, but, you know, we play this weekend. I look at it this way. It was a series between two teams that are kind of in uh, similar straits, and somebody had to win. So uh, as uh, speaking yeah. speaking as a Sox fan, I'm glad it was us, but I'm also glad. Uh, I hope they uh, had a good time in Cincinnati and uh, enjoyed uh, quite a bit of chilly five-way but uh it, it, always enjoyable but let's talk about your uh, your picks for the week uh one of which is from the technology sector and is one of those tried and true names in the technology sector right yeah intel we're talking about here semiconductor uh, sector has been running into a lot of headwinds here lately whether you look at what samsung's been forecasting it doesn't matter i mean there's kind of been this cloud hanging over. From a long-term perspective, though, I look at Intel and see this as an opportunity. It's a company that's truly rebuilding, kind of like what we saw from GE. And with a company this large, it takes a while. Investors seem to lose track of that this day and age. They always want a quick profit, get right out of the stock. But I think Intel is one that you hold for the long term here, Rob. And the uh, ticker symbol is INTC. And then uh, your next one uh, comes from the world of ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Yes, this is uh, one that is gaining some speed here. We're seeing a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. You listen to the comments from uh, Secretary Yellen over the weekend about chaos coming in. It gets people thinking about a safety trade. The ultimate or the old-time safety trade is gold. And you can obviously go and participate with the physical metal I participate to use the ETF GLD as the ticker symbol, and that is not physical per se, but it's contracts on physical gold. That's the the, uh, gold trust. Um, This is one that I'm actually holding not only the ETF itself, but I've got options that expire later in the year in September because we've just seen a fantastic trend in this market to the upside something that is hard to find right now and you know there, there's a great deal of conversation about gold as an investment uh, some reputable uh, some less so uh, if you want to get into precious metals is this a good way to do that i i think for the average investor yes it is um you don't have to go out and find somebody that's got that reputation you're trading something that is you know, trading through the markets here. Obviously, that doesn't preclude you from being uh, completely on the up and up. But in this particular case, 
one of the more popular ways to hold gold as a precious metal in a portfolio. And I think that's the key here, Rob. It's something you can do inside of a portfolio, whether it's an IRA, whether it's an individual account, whatever you're looking for, it gives you that old school protection feel to your portfolio. So I think a lot of people, and as I said, the trend here is very positive. A lot of people have been opening up to the idea of gold. We see $2,000 on the physical gold itself, you know, being one of those where areas where it's rested. I think you're looking for something that's going to be more in the three to $4,000 range over the long haul year. Same could be so, said for silver as well. Spider Trust Gold ETF, the ticker symbol GLD. Chris Johnson, market strategist with the Johnson Research Group in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've talked myself into some Coney Island hot dogs and chili. Thanks for a Cincinnati conversation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.